0: The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers Podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist small to mid cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Now we all know about nickel's key role in the batteries required for the world's decarbonisation and electrification efforts. And we've got the giant commodities trader Glencore for one, forecasting nickel demand will grow from around 2.5 million tonnes in 2019 to more than 9 million tonnes by 2050. The big question is where is that new supply going to come from? Nervousness on that very subject has made nickel a particularly strong price performer in recent times. The current price of US dollars 1970 a pound is up by 46% on the average for calendar 2020 of US dollars 6.26 a pound. It's against that backdrop that we have heightened investor in the nickel explorers, developers and producers. IPOs of nickel explorers are thick on the ground, and good luck to all of them in finding a resource that transitions them to developer-producer status. All that is by way of background to today's interest. NICO Resources, that's N-I-C-O Resources, which is in the process of raising between $10 and $12 million from an IPO. At the IPO price, it will have a market cap of around $18.2 million. NICO is being spun off by Metals X, which wants to focus on its tin assets, which I noticed uh, tin hitting $40,000 a ton the other day. Fantastic stuff. Now, nickel is not your normal IPO, as it actually comes to the market with an advanced laterite nickel cobalt project under its belt, the Wingelina Nickel Project in WA, hard up against the intersection of the NT and South Australian borders. A combined resource there contains 1.68 million tonnes of contained nickel and 130,000 tonnes of cobalt. It can be safely said no other junior on the ASX comes close to that. So it's big, right? And with nickel having its day in the sun its development credentials have improved dramatically. It's worth mentioning too that the cold price has doubled to around 30 bucks a pound from last year's average in recent times. I'm going to stop there and let Nico's Executive Director, CEO, Rod Kaur, pick up the story. G'day, Rod. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Yes. Hi, Barry there. Thanks for having us on. Now, Rod, um,
0: I know you're well known in uh, mining circles, uh, particularly with the Metals X background, but uh, given... Uh, it's a new company. It'd be great if uh, for investors who don't know about you, for you to uh, give us a bit of a rundown on your professional background.
1: Sure. Uh, well, I started out life as a uh, as a stockbroker in Perth here many, many years ago, and um, uh, so was here, and I worked for what was Port Western, which became Macquarie, and then I uh, further afield went over and worked with uh, two fairly big or well, very big uh, merchant banks there in the form of um, Morgan Stanley and also JP Morgan and had a small boutique uh, corporate operation over in England as well when I was working over there. Uh, then I obviously come back into Perth here, and for the last eight years I've been working very closely with both Metals X and then obviously when we demerged uh, and we uh, have Metals X and Westgold, which was obviously the creation of, of what was the base metals assets and obviously then the gold assets. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with Westgold, but obviously knew the project being Wingalena, having us spoke about that around the world for a long time, Whilst Metals X was still the main vehicle, and so always watched it very closely. And obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Metals X is sort of streamlining its business. You know, now after they had a the nifty copper asset, which was a little bit problematic for them, and this big asset at the time when the nickel price wasn't quite so, uh, um, you know, as high as what it is now. Um, I think it's a great opportunity, and uh, we've obviously got their backing as well because they they still do want to be in, you know involved in it. Mm. But I think, you know, putting it into this single-purpose vehicle um, is something that really unlocks the value and we can move this forward, you know, more rapidly now.
0: Yeah, and it certainly uh, increases the focus on, a, well, an asset that deserves more focus, particularly in this uh, current environment. Exactly. Now, Wendelina, uh, what is the background there? Uh, I'm thinking of going back to around 2008 where uh, Metals X came up with a, a, a study that yeah. uh, gave us some feel, potential scale, of a uh, HPAL plant producing 40,000 tonnes per annum of nickel and 3,000 tonnes of cobalt. That's right. Um, which, uh, so just run through the history for us and why it was parked up, I guess, and it only comes to light now. Yeah.
1: Yes, and it was really the first time that this whole area was aggregated. It was in some smaller companies with that had a few bits and pieces of it, of it as well, and mm. then obviously this all got aggregated under Metals X. They went on and spent and obviously did the feasibility study there in 2008. And also during that time, from the time that Metal's actually had that project to now, there's been over $60 million spent on it in obviously the development and obviously going through all, all the required approvals uh, to get it to the stage now where um, it, it is fully approved. So feasibility study done. Um, there's obviously all the EPA approvals that are replaced, which we've actually just renewed now for another five-year term all the access to land is done there uh the bore fields in terms of water so it's a it's a ready dig development um you know and we're going to obviously go through obviously with some of the funds there and update the feasibility study because it's a little bit old and obviously as you mentioned you know with the the prices where they are now um there's you know there was a lot of interest back when we sort of first Started this out, but then obviously the nickel price did did collapse there, and everybody you know dissipates and goes off and concentrates on other things. But here we are back now at you know with with twenty thousand US in terms of nickel price and cobalt have done very well as you say, and you know we don't have to do a lot of work to get it to the stage now where we can start into obviously developing the project in terms of infrastructure, plant, etc., you know, etc. So that's where we're at. Um, and the history of it, as as you mentioned there, I mean, it's it's quite a long history, um, but, you know, I think this time around in the cycle for nickel and obviously with obviously a lot of analysts talking about improved nickel prices over the next horizon of five, ten years, it's well-placed to obviously find that investment um, from the right people um, around the globe now for that long, what is a long-term nickel supply.
0: All right. No, I see some um the prospectus uh, suggests that the idea would be to advance to the uh, preliminary feasibility study stage within two years of uh, uh, floating.
1: Uh, is that uh, pretty much the case? Oh, that's, again, you know, we, I think that we'll, you know, we've already got that obviously the older feasibility study, but that, this would be something that we would, uh, and obviously in your use of funds there, you, that's how you map it out. I mean, it's been something that we would want to be uh, fast-tracking, um, I would say, quite a bit quicker than that. Right.
0: Okay. Now, um, I don't know whether we're talking uh, second, third or even fourth generation uh, high pressure acid leach projects out there now. I'm just wondering, have you guys got a feel yet for the lessons that can be learned from some of those early developments that could be incorporated
1: into a a new study into uh, Wingelina's development? Yes. And that's one of the things, obviously, that we're obviously working on still now. I mean, there's over the last, you know, probably four to five years where this project for for metals X has been sort of put on the back burner whilst they've been doing the copper and the and the tin. Yeah. Uh, there's been obviously some some you know fairly large increases in the technology and changes in technology, and you can talk about DNI as well, direct nickel. Um, and obviously now there has been some you know with those bigger HPL projects there. There's been some streamlining that need to be done. And I think there's been quite a few lessons learned. So we'll obviously in in um, whilst we're doing feasibility study, we'll also be looking at the new technologies to obviously see if there's any advantages in potentially having a modularised build-up to the production or mm-hmm. still looking at that HPL and obviously looking at, you know, any infrastructure changes that we've seen. Obviously where it's challenged in that area, as as you mentioned, it's um right on the border there, the triple point there in sort of South Australia, Northern Territory, Western Australia. But there's been uh, we've got Osmin out there obviously doing some work now as well. There can be some synergies there and maybe some Um, strategies that we can work with and obviously we can go back and revisit what was some very very big interest back when the nickel price was up and there's obviously there was samsung and posco were involved uh very closely um with the technology improvements and obviously very interested in obviously what this uh um what this company or what this project has
0: yeah because given the resource space it's obviously not resource constrained you're looking at a very long life project oh yes just on that point um Given the scale of the thing and the likely capital costs, I was just wondering is there any thought to uh, partner somewhere along the battery and material supply chain with Deep Pockets uh, coming in and uh, helping
1: the project get to the starting stalls? Yep, yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, look, as I, as I mentioned, there was a, um, there was an MOU done on this uh, project in about 2011, 2012, is it? Uh, and that was with Posco and Samsung. Right. And so uh, they've obviously looked at it very closely. POSCO did in 2016, 15, 16, uh, POSCO actually built their own pilot plant specifically for this whole body and mm. treated, uh, we sent over 200,000 tonnes and they treated it primarily the pilot plant they built and obviously spent quite a bit of money on it uh, and the, the results that came back were very, very uh, appealing with a sort of a 98% recovery rate. Um, mm. So I think that, you know, and I think there's probably a few people watching this very closely seeing it, you know, being taken out of that whole Metals X um, space in the company and having it in this single-purpose vehicle now, I think that makes it a lot easier for investment of this kind. And So mm. obviously talking to um, the contacts that we've had there over the last 10 years uh, and, you know, Jin Chuan was a big investor in what was Metals X back in the day um, of a 10% shareholding purely for this asset. They weren't interested in the gold it was purely for this asset so there's obviously some fairly big people and it's as it's a i would think arguably the largest undeveloped nickel cobalt project in australia at this point in time Um, absolutely it's, it's, it's 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 going to have a lot of interest for uh the bigger players out there that you know and you're going to need some people that uh can can write those kinds of checks to get this development up and going and i think we've already got um, people that are, you know, or groups that are watching it very closely.
0: Now it's always good to see um, IPOs uh, price for success. Uh, I must say this one, given the scale of the resource and the dynamic of the nickel market going forward, um, you guys being overly generous? <laughs> that was X being overly generous. What's the, um, what's the theory of arriving at the, you know, the market cap at a full $12 million raise of 18.2? Seems quite mm-hmm. modest.
1: Uh, definitely. So, I mean, and I think that, that is obviously shown in uh, Metals X's belief as well, um, where they're obviously cornerstoning it and putting uh, $4 million of their own into it to have a holding that will be escrow, 75% escrowed for the first 12 months. I mean, they're in it there for the long term. They see the benefits. But I think Metals X really now was wanting to just streamline back to the tin and run a fairly small office corporately in, in uh, WA here and the rest of the operations are in Tasmania and taking someone or a group of people that are committed to obviously moving this project forward. They were comfortable with that. We went through a fairly lengthy process to, um, you know, make sure that they were happy with the people that were going to be involved. And then obviously the, you know, their next step was to say, well, yes, well, we still want to be involved in it as well. Obviously they're in speciing the 25 million acquisition shares to their shareholders. And then they obviously are putting in $4 million themselves. So I think it shows a, a very good belief in the, in the project and the space. And, Oh, look, I think in terms of being too generous, it's, it's always good to have a nice uh, company that floats and I think people are in there to buy shares and make money off them and I think that we can uh, definitely show that in the short term and the long term.
0: I'm over here in the eastern states and if I asked around uh, about the project, it seems to be, um, oh, it's on an Aboriginal reserve, it's all too hard. That, that's no longer the case, I understand, uh, reading the
1: prospectus. Not at all. We, we have obviously all of the land access rights in place and have done for a long time. Max Maserata, who's been our chief geologist and uh, operations manager out there for many years, uh, we have a very strong relationship uh, with the local community. And also there's obviously a, uh, there's a royalty involved there for the, for the town and the people that live there as well. And absolutely, as I say, as I mentioned before, EPA approvals in place, uh, land access in place, uh, royalty agreement in place uh, with the original owners, and it's, there's no problems whatsoever. Right.
0: Good to hear. Okay. Now, uh, the potential date for the listing is in January, I understand?
1: Yes, that's right. Um, we've just got to run through the normal process there. There's nothing that you can really change there. ASX has its time frame, So um, we opened up, obviously, late, late last week, and you've just got to go through all the hoops of getting your shareholder spread. Um, in terms of uh, interest out there, it's been very strong. Um, so it's... Uh, uh, I think, you know, we've split it between Market Tech, uh, one of the online traders here, and also Blue Ocean, who's a very good uh, broker over there in Sydney. And in terms of uh, uh, what we've had so far pledged in in um, people wanting the stock, we're um, well, we're probably almost over anyway now as well, but we've just got to sort out the spread. So it's uh, gone very well. Any uh, indicative ASX code yet, uh, Rob? Uh, NC1. Oh, nice one. One of the, the uh, trendy ones, c- combining uh, all various... Yeah, well, we, we tried to get some of the other ones that we, we wanted, but then we thought, oh, well, yes, guess NC1 sounds pretty good, nickel cobalt one.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, good stuff. Uh, how do uh, investors go about getting a uh, the prospectus?
1: So if the investors wanted to go to the NICO uh, website, which is com, mm-hmm. and if um, they uh, obviously they can access the prospectus there, And there's a link through um, if there's any interest in it to uh, Market Tech Online. And they're offering a priority allocation to their subscribers. So if you follow the links on the NECO website, uh, there might be just enough time uh, to open an account before the books close off sometime next week or early the week after. Right. Okay. Now, just before finishing
0: up, I should uh, mention that uh, across the board in South Australia, there's another couple of
1: projects um, or deposits. Um, Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about those? Yeah, well, look, that was a later discovery that was made there at Claude Claude Hill, sorry, Um, Mm -hmm. and that looks very promising. So, you know, we'll continue to do some work there. There obviously has been COVID times. Everyone's had the same issue there, you know, getting the access due to COVID. We don't have any problems when we can get there. But um, so, you know, we'll look to there to expand on that as well at a point in time. But, you know, we have, as you said, we've got 168 million tonnes of uh, reserve. On the nickel cobalt project, there mm-hmm. on those two tenements. So, I mean, and, and it's again, it is still open. There's only been 25% of it actually drilled out. So, there is obviously a lot of room for adding to obviously the life of that, which is, you know, in the early PFS, you know, we had a 40,000 ton of cobalt and 3,000, sorry, 40,000 ton of nickel and 3,000 ton of cobalt, which, you know, on the project with HPL, I mean, with a sort of four year payback. And then after that, it's producing a billion dollars in revenue at current prices. Mm -hmm. So it's a very long-life project and obviously, you know, that will happen once we get to that development stage and the production stage. We've got a lot of land out there that we can still go and obviously increase over time. But when you've got a 40-year project as is, well, Mm -hmm. I think you've got a good starting base.
0: Yeah, uh, just on that point, obviously not resource constrained, but uh, I was just wondering, is there a regional exploration upside that you'll be looking at at all, or is it the focus very much on getting it into, uh, getting,
1: getting... Oh, look, as I say, I think in, in time, um, we will look to do further exploration there, absolutely, and because there is a lot of upside in that. It's a it's a big land holding uh, and as I say, Claude Hills is nowhere near drilled out, and neither is Wingalina.
0: Right, okay. Now... Uh, uh, Let's uh, wrap it up, Rod, and uh, just give investors a feel for assuming, of course, that uh, the IPO goes well and we get listed uh, in January. Mm-hmm. What should they be looking out for in uh, 2022?
1: So as I say, we'll, we'll obviously then go back and we'll do some further drilling on the ground there. We're going to do some high-grading activity. We're going to start the um, feasibility study as well. We're going to be looking at all the other technologies out there that's you know happened over the last four to five years and some changes there. We've got some fairly unique people interested who you know who in terms of with the float some people that are obviously involved in the nickel space as well who want to be a part of it so we've got some synergies there as well and obviously we'll be looking to further the discussions in terms of a you know a bigger partner there to come on board uh, and take an interest and uh, and move things along. Okay,
0: there we go, folks. A uh, what's going to be a very interesting addition to the uh, nickel space on the ASX, at NICO Resources. Watch out for, for the. Uh, it, debuting uh, sometime in January, and um, this nickel price holds up. We'll be interesting to see how it performs on day one and the rest of the year, of course. (laughs) So with that, Rod, thanks for your time today, mate. Best of luck with it all. Um, We'll speak again soon. Cheers. Thank you very much. Very This episode of the Explorers Podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.